Hello there, my name is Danny Yeoman, wild bird expert for Pets Corner and developer of Peter and Paul Bird Foods. Welcome to Next for a number of podcasts detailing some of the amazing birds that we see and feed in our gardens. Every week we're looking at a different bird and this week we'll be looking at the amazing songster, the nightingale. Imagine a jazz musician improvising on a theme. Then imagine that he is able to play half a dozen instruments, not one after another, but almost simultaneously, switching effortlessly both instruments and musical styles, with hardly a pause for breath. If you can imagine all of that, you're halfway towards appreciating the performance that is the extraordinary song of the Nightingale. The beauty, purity and sheer gusto of the Nightingale song has earned it the premier place in our avian orchestra. No other bird, not the song thrush, the blackbird or even the skylark, sings so loudly, so persistently and with such a varied and frankly sometimes bizarre repertoire of sounds. Like many virtuous singers, the Nightingale isn't all that much to look at. A rather drab, russet brown bird with a rufous tail often held cocked upwards at an angle to its body. It is not hard to see or hear why the nightingale has aspired so much literature and music and carries such a weight of symbolism. This is Keats' immortal bird and Joseph Wharton's Chantress of Night. Nightingales were once thought to sing as they impaled themselves on fawns. True beauty, according to the romantic poets, comes only with suffering. They are birds of love and longing. One reputedly sang on London's Berkeley Square, and of mystery too. Few other songbirds are quite so difficult to see, even when one is singing at full volume when its sound shatters through the nocturnal stillness with the force of an orchestra in a library. What's more, the nightingale rations its appearance with all the skill of a true diva, always leaving the audience wanting more. Nightingales arrive back in Britain in the second half of April, when, if you are very lucky, you may catch sight of one singing in full view in broad daylight. Most males are skulkier though, singing by night from the thickest, most impenetrable areas of shrub and coppice, intent of luring down migrating females from the dark skies above. How to describe a song that must be heard to be believed? A rapid outpouring of liquid brilliance, deep chugging notes, piercing whistles and hair-raising crescendos all seasoned with breathless pauses. Like all great dramatists, the nightingale knows the value of silence, if only for brief moments. If you're extremely fortunate, you may find yourself poised between two rival males, whose efforts to undo one another can leave you stunned with admiration. Another legendary duet took place in the 1920s between the cellist Beatrice Harrison and a nightingale at the bottom of her Surrey garden. The event, transmitted on the early BBC radio network, became the very first live broadcast of any bird anywhere in the world and was so popular with listeners that it was restaged every year until the Second World War. Although the nightingale has a wonderful song, 
The nightingale is an otherwise inconspicuous species, with rather secretive skulking habits and drab plain brown plumage. The uniform upper parts shade into a brighter red-brown tail and a beige-brown breast. The rest of the underparts are whitish and there is a narrow white eye ring with a poorly defined greyish eye stripe. The bill is dark and the legs are flesh brown. The male and female nightingale are similar in appearance, but the juvenile is brown with buff spotting above the buff with a relatively weak dark scaling below. The rump and tail of the juvenile are rusty brown. Although rather indistinctive in appearance, the common nightingale is greatly admired for its beautiful melodic song, which is considered by some to be the finest produced of any bird species. Heard to best effect on early summer evenings, its famous song consists of mellow phrases, flute-like sequences or high-quality rich notes produced in varied, powerful chatters, rattles and whistles. Nightingales do have an extraordinary rich repertoire, able to produce over a thousand different sounds, compared with just 340 by the skylark and about 100 by the blackbird. This is because the part of the brain responsible for creating sound is bigger in the nightingales than in most other birds. Nightingales are most vocal when they're establishing their territories during May and can be heard singing throughout the day and night. The name Nightingale came about because of its habit of singing long after dark, and unusual for British birds, its name has been consistently used for the last 1,400 years. The most famous of Nightingales, the one that sang at Berkeley Square, was probably no more than a myth, but it is true the Nightingales were once found in London, including on Hampstead Heath, where Keats was aspired to write his ode to a Nightingale.
Typically returning to the same areas to nest each year, the nightingale breeds between April and July. The nest is a bulky cup of dead leaves and grass lined with fine grasses, feathers and hair and is placed in a thicket close to the ground. Usually four to five eggs are laid and are incubated for 13 or 14 days. The young fledge at about 10 to 12 days when they move into surrounding cover, learning to fly three to five days later. The young nightingales are cared for by both adults for a further 15 to 30 days, although the female may begin incubating a second clutch during this time, leaving the male to care for the first brood alone. The oldest known common nightingale lives 7 years and 11 months. Nightingales feed mainly on insects, mainly through foraging on the ground, and in particular are partial to ants and beetles, and although these are available in their gardens, nightingales never turn up in gardens. In Britain, nightingales favour scrub, often near water, and open or coppiced woodland. They occur south of a line from the Severn to the Humber and are a scarce bird nowadays, so you're unlikely to encounter them anywhere away from their favoured haunts. If you'd like to see nightingales, there are ten places you're most likely to hear the birds. Many are nature reserves and offer guided nightingale walks between April and early June. So the first one is Fringring Ho Wick in Essex, there's also Bleen Woods in Kent, Cliff Pool, which is also in Kent, Lackford Lakes in Suffolk, Alton Water in also in Suffolk, Plaxton Plitz in Cambridgeshire, Whitsby Nature Park in Lincolnshire, Nep Castle Estate in Sussex, Pool Mills, Sussex also, and Swilbrook Lakes in Cotswolds Water Park in Wiltshire and Gloucestershire. Nightingales are migratory birds, spending winters in Africa and summers in Europe. During summer they can be found in the southern eastern part of the British mainland. They like woodland and dense undergrowth, and can be particularly found in the southeast of England. Nightingales are estimated to have declined by 90% in the last 50 years thought to be due to a mix of factors, including climate change, but also increasing numbers of deer nibbling away at dense woodland understory, which the nightingales need to feed and nest in. Whether you live in the town or country, you can help look after garden birds by providing a wildlife-friendly garden that includes water and having the very, very best foods available for them, foods like Peter and Paul. For more information regarding Peter and Paul Wild Bird Foods, please check out the Peter and Paul website at www.peter-and-paul.com or pop into one of their wonderful Pets Corner stores. And the nearest store to you can be found at the Pets Corner website at www.petscorner.co.uk. Well, that's it from me. I hope you've enjoyed this look at nightingales. For further birds, please continue to check out the stream and I look forward to speaking to you soon.